What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 156. I am your host, Matt Hannafin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Hello, Isaiah. What's going on, man? Doing great. Happy to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. This week, we have some news to talk about before we get into the official, like, fall sports uh, recap of the week. Um, it was announced, I think, Tuesday that Nevada wide re- Nevada football wide receiver Elijah Cooks would be out for the season with a Liz Frank foot injury. Um, this is his second consecutive year to where he's had a season-ending injury. Um, last year, he had the shoulder injury that happened against Wyoming in the season opener. Um, he missed the final. He missed the team's final eight games of the season. Um, this year, he played in the first three. He led the team in touchdowns with four. He had 13 catches for 157 yards. Um, I think both of those were third on the team. Um, and so he again, we talked about before this year how much of an important piece he was. I mean, it's just like a brutal loss. I mean, thoughts and prayers are out to Elijah. Hopefully, he's a, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Um, Liz Frank foot injuries are like no joke. Um, so, I mean, that's gut wrenching. Um, thoughts are with him. Hopefully, I mean, that's tough, especially since he's now a super senior. This is what uh, so called super senior. Um, he took the extra year of eligibility to hopefully come back and help this team win a Mountain West championship. He's certainly done his part in the first three games, but it's brutal to have it like this especially it was this was unexpected too this kind of came out of nowhere um at least i don't remember him getting injured against kansas state but my memory could be faulty yeah i mean i just to reiterate what you were saying just thoughts and prayers are with him it's been a tough two years now for elijah cooks just you've seen the talent unfold on the field what he's been capable of and you know what the high expectations we've had for him. Mm-hmm. And when he's on the field, he's performed to those levels at some Absolutely. point. And this just hurts. And I know, you know, I we could talk about, you know, what this means for Nevada going forward. I know we've seen Cooks. Um, I know we haven't seen Cooks in action last year and how some of our wide receiver depth played a part in that. But just focusing on Cooks right now. Just nothing but the best. He has all the talent in the world. The physicality is a great red zone threat. We saw that throughout Portland this year. And just thoughts and prayers. It's gut-wrenching. You know, it's just to a guy that means a lot to this team, brings a lot of leadership and a ton of talent to that position. Uh, He's one of Nevada's best receivers. And undoubtedly. For a receiving core that was a top of the Mountain West, but also, like, probably a potential top 10, top 15 unit in the nation. Like, he was... At the he was at the top of that. He was at the forefront with Romeo Dubs, and um, if you want to count Cole Turner in this scenario as a wide receiver, you can. But it, he was at the forefront of that. Uh, definitely, definitely, and just I feel feel so bad, just happening to him, and just speedy recovery once again, and hopefully he can get some sort of career back on track because, like we keep saying, he has all the talent in the world to put it together, and we've seen it come together. Just, just unfortunate. You know, it's one of the one of the sacrifices of being an athlete that sometimes goes unnoticed is sometimes one thing can happen and it can all be over in a way. And we wish Elijah nothing but the best. I, I really hope this doesn't, I mean, it, this is a tough like business or at least professionally it's a tough business, but I don't hope this doesn't like crater his professional draft stock or his just professional stock in general, wherever he decides to go. I hope he's able to like fully recover the, from this and, um, you know, explode, jump, run, cut, like 
I hope he's able to still do those things at a high, high, high level um, after this injury is healed. And I I just hope it doesn't like completely crater his football career. Yeah, and that's one of the toughest things is just having those strings of injuries can really take you out of a draft loop and everything like that. But at the same time, one of the coolest things I've seen is some sometimes student-athletes who don't make it because making it to a Division One college level is hard enough at any sport, performing well and getting to the elite of the elite, being a professional athlete. It's one of the hardest things to do in the world. And I think one of the coolest things is seeing – Former athletes get chances with their alma maters, get positions on staff. You see it with, like, uh, Vi Towers, a great example, mm-hmm. with the running backs coach. And just seeing those types of guys you want to build a culture around. I think, you know, Cooks, Caleb Fossum comes to mind, too, with what he's doing, his his own entrepreneurship and his own branding, mm-hmm. former Nevada wide receiver. And a good every, one, too. A good one. Great guy, too. And another guy mm-hmm. who suffered a season-ending injury yep. towards the later part of his career. And it just... I just think there's so many opportunities for guys like that because they're hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're not done. They're like, they may be, no matter what happens, health or not, like they may be done physically playing the game at the highest of the highest level, but they're always around the game and they can bring so much to the game from any other aspect. And I think that part goes unnoticed in so many ways is seeing former players in positions with teams and universities and stuff like that. It's always great to see. Yeah. For sure. What do you think this means for Nevada in the future, at the re- at the receiver position, but also just as an offense as a whole? Because I mean, we talked about their receiver depth heading into the season, how it was so deep. Like, do you think there's any potential breakout candidates? Like, what do you think it means for them? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really brings up to effect is I, I think we talk about just the emergence of Tory Horton and what he can be for this offense. I know he has a similar skill set, not really to Cooks, but more to Romeo Dubs with his speed and downfield ability, but. I think this brings him into question. I bring up Justin Lockhart again for mm-hmm. the season he had last year and how he kind of filled Cooks's role in a way, just bringing that type of physicality to the red zone. I think this means maybe more targets going Cole Turner's way as well, finding more ways to get him the ball near the 20s because that's where Elijah Cooks really feasted throughout this point in the season was in the red zone being that safety net for Carson Strong to just throw it up and Cooks having the physicality and athleticism to snag the ball. So... Um, as a whole, this is a position, like you said, we are deep at. We have a ton of talent. I, I just think it's kind of a matter of putting it together in certain facets that I think this year Cooks had a substantial impact on that offense, especially at that point of the field. So getting that down is going to be really, really urgent. Yeah, I think they will all see an increase in targets and – Especially, I think especially Horton, I think you're right, but a couple other guys like Harry Ballard the III, um, who's made his emergence this season. He was the former transfer from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, Melquan Stovall, um, he has 12 receptions on the year already. I think that's like fourth on the team. Um, and of course, you're going to see, as you mentioned, you're going to see the uptick in targets um, and receptions for Cole Turner and Romeo Dubs. But I do think I mean, we've seen flashes. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to like get too ahead of myself here. But we did. I've seen flashes of the deep ball ability from Tory Horton. Um, I wonder how much that'll stretch the field and open it up, open up another element of the offense for Nevada's other wide receivers. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. This is more ample opportunity for guys to step up and fill in, and we saw that at points, you know, many points last year. And I think there's a lot of guys who can see the 
increase in targets and make the most of them. So it's something, obviously, to keep an eye on going forward. And then on that note, another injury that popped up um, was Tyson Williams. Um, he will ha- he has an ankle injury. He will be out for the next couple of weeks. He only has six tackles on the year. Um, in the last three years combined, he's had 147 tackles, which leads the entire team over that span. Um, he's w- one of Nevada's best defensive backs. I don't think we talk about him enough. He he's just you can play him anywhere, um, and he'll produce. I mean, he's not he hasn't really rushed the passer, gotten in the backfield a lot, but you can still put him in the box. You can still um, he can still defend in coverage I think pretty well I mean he's he's one of Nevada's best all-around defensive backs and that's going to be another big loss um, especially this week with Khalil Shakir I mean you're going to have to yeah we're going to get into it a little later but you're always going to have to find where number two is on the field because he will hurt you and uh, bevy of wave bevy of waves they're going to move him all around the field they're going to use him in different ways whether it's in motion or um, in the short game or in the screen game whatever the way they're going to use it out of the backfield like they're going to they're going to maneuver him around so losing Williams in that circumstance hurts. Um, and Nevada has a bunch of other good secondary options like Joan Claiborne, Isaiah Sissima, Bentley Sanders. Like they have a number of good players, but just losing Williams hurts. Oh, definitely. No, this is another position of need that we may not have enough depth in in that regard. Like we have a couple guys who can really step up on hopefully, but Jordan Lee is another one I forgot. He's another contributor that can really help. And yeah, like you said, what Tyson Williams brings defensively is range, tons yeah. of range, tons of athleticism and a gosh, the ability to just hit hit and get down in between the tackles and just lay the boom. We've seen that throughout the course of a couple of years. So um hope he's back to action real soon because we need him most definitely for our secondary. I don't know why you said here come where you said lay the boom and I thought here comes the boom. Remember that? Love that song. <laughs> Remember that's Nelly. That song. I don't, was Man, it, Nelly. Was it Nelly? It was. I listened to that song a lot. Nelly's got under. I, let's not sidetrack, but Nelly's got we, underrated we, tracks. We sidetrack all the time. That's okay. he's, he's underrated. But uh, diving into this fall sports recap, we'll start with Nevada women's soccer tied Boise State. It's first tied the season and first since March 21st of last season. You know, Kendall Stovall. Shutout performance, getting back in the net, big presence in that regard. Offensively, we're continuing the struggles in a way. We only had three shots. There we're... goes our, or Nevada has more shots than the other opponent, uh, theory. Yeah. Not theory, but more, observation. More volume. But that's okay. I mean, sometimes you'll take a tie with just the the string of tough performances Nevada women's soccer has gone through. Gabby Brown had two of Nevada's shots, so always seeing her aggressive on the pitch is nice. And, um... Yeah, I mean, moving on, Nevada Women's Swim. This is the first time we're getting into swim and dive. They won their first meet in San Jose yesterday. Uh, just a big team performance all around. I know as a group, we won the 800-meter relay, the 400-yard intermediate midley, and the 400-free relay. So just dominant performances. I think we all know this at this point. Nevada's woman, Nevada Women's Swim and Dive is one of the best, if not the best, sport on campus. Just strings of historic dominance, and it continues. So... It's a big first win to start out the year. That also includes the they won the 150 uh, meter butterfly relay, the 150 meter backstroke relay, and the 150 meter breaststroke relay. Yeah, just a great performance all around. I mean, uh, kicking things off, maybe not kicking things off, but yeah. teeing, teeing, teeing things, teeing off. things off. Yeah, with women's golf, they finished 10th out of 14 teams in the Mali Collegiate Invitational. Um, our highest top performer was. Anita Croth, who finished tied for 24th. Victoria Gailey finished tied for 24th. Um, Anita shot 
Anitra, apologies, Anitra shot 11 over, Victoria shot 12 over, Leia John finished time for 49th with a 19 over, uh, Danny uh, Ujimori. Danny Ujimori was tied for 67th at a 24 over, and Caitlin Finer was tied for 70th at a 25 over. Be cool if she finished tied for 7th. Yeah. No, it's all. Transitioning into men's and women's cross country, um, men's finished 12th in the Roy Greich Invitational in Minneapolis. Adam Solon finished 24th, which led the men's team. And then the women finished 16th. Tierney Wolfgram, um, who we've talked about in the past, uh, like a cross country, is what the proper word be prodigy? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I like it. Are you like, okay. It's cross country prodigy, 18 years old. Um, she's from the state of Minnesota, so she was competing in her own state. She finished 12th in the event, um, which led the Wolfpack women. And then Nevada volleyball, uh, they did not do well in their two games, their two home games over the weekend. They faced San Diego State and UNLV. They lost, they got swept 3 0 in both games. 29-27, 25-17, and 25-20, and then they lost 3-0 to UNLV, 25-16, 25-20, and 25-13. So they did not have a good weekend. It started out well with the 29-27 loss. I mean, if you consider that good, I mean, usually it would go just to 25 points as, you know, as, as it usually does, but um, they didn't have the best end of their weekend. They faced Utah State on the road this weekend. Not the best start to conference play, especially after taking two of three or not two of three, both of their home games in the in their tournament, their final non-conference tournament, Sac State and Cal State University Northridge. No, hopefully they can pick things up and get the ball rolling a little bit. Um, I know we've seen a couple wins come out of them recently, so just another rough stretch, and hopefully they can rebound. Nevada and I, or not Nevada, Isaiah and I, wow. Isaiah and I are going to be talking about fo- Nevada football. Um, We'll be back after the break. And we are back um, talking Nevada football. We recapped the game in the most recent episode. Um, Now Nevada is coming off a bye week, their first bye week of the season. Thoughts? Uh, Well needed. Bye week was well needed. Just coming off that tough loss and now heading into a huge, huge game against a conference rival. I think the bye came at a perfect time. I know Jay Norvell. And I also know, you know, going back to previous press conferences, Jay Norvell is a big fan of those. And I think just coming after a tough loss to Kansas State on the road, getting that bye week, trying to get right, and now heading back on the road, it's a big game. It's a big game, but I think this is something that can really be a statement for us. I know we'll get into it, but just how much Boise State has owned us at home, owned Nevada. Yeah, but particularly at home. Uh, goes back quite a while. So, you know, big game ahead of us, but, you know, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I think fans, players, coaches, staff members, Brian Sandoval maybe, Doug Newth maybe, have had this game circled on their schedule. This was an important game because, I mean, it's the third game on the road um, in four games, um, and it's the third pretty tough game on the road. Um, the first two were against Power 5 foes. Um, Nevada went one and one in that stretch. They won over Cal to refresh everyone's memory. They beat Cal twenty two seventeen. They lost to Kansas State thirty eight seventeen. And so this is another tough road game. But at the same time, Boise State also isn't playing their best football. 
They're just not. They they at least through four games they haven't lived up to the preseason hype. But I don't know if Nevada has either. Maybe depends on how you look at it. I th- said at the beginning three and one was a kind of not a realistic stretch, but it's very possible that Nevada could go three one these first four games. Um, they certainly still can go three one since they're two and one. Um, I think three and one would be a win, um, considering this is the first this first three games of stretch were the first non-conference games Nevada's played in two years, especially since two of them were on the road against Power 5 teams. We're beating that over the head. We've just kind of hammered it in. It's The nail is through the through the it's, ground. It's, it's through the floorboard. Yeah, it's through the floorboard. I mean, you cannot get it any farther than the floorboard. But, um, <laughs> but this is, yeah, this is a game that's been circled on people's calendars. I mean, I'd guess, I mean, it's the first time back at the Blue Turf since, like, what, 2017, something like that? The first yeah. time against Boise State since 2018. Um, and all we all know that Nevada's win in 2010 was oh so memorable. Blue Friday, um, you and I talked about it in the past. It's one of the best wins that the program's had. Probably no, actually, probably is the best win that the program's had in its school history. Beating um, Boise State when they were ranked fourth in the nation. Nevada was 19th. Um, Nevada was had one loss at the time. Boise State had nothing. It was just late night on ESPN national television. Um, the way the fashion that they did it in. Um, it was just an incredible game, but that was Nevada's only win against Boise State since 1998. Nevada's lost 16 of the last 17, including six straight. Um, history isn't in our favor, but if this, if there's a time where Nevada could beat Boise State, it probably is at this time. Yeah, I mean, both teams match up well. We've talked about the talent on both sides of the ball Nevada has to offer, and just off to the struggling start in a way that you can argue that Boise State's gotten off to. I know they just came off a win against Utah State, but just struggling in non-conference play, winnable games slipping through their fingers. And you're talking about Nevada or Boise State? Boise State. Okay, Boise State. And it's just it's been a little bit little bit of a whirlwind one way or another. but For both teams. Yeah, for both teams. I do think they match up well, and it's going to be a huge game on the road. It's the kind of the environment you're here for in a lot of ways. An orange out. Orange out. It's going to be an orange out, I think. Blue turf and orange orange shirts. <laughs> do you have any orange shirts? I do not. I'm guessing you don't because no. you went to Carson. So no. I'm no. guessing they like forbidden that from your school. One way or another. <laughs> Go Douglas. Um, back on topic. <laughs> I kind of have the second half of Oklahoma State, of the Oklahoma State game for Boise State, like just burned in my brain. Felt like every other play, Bachmeyer was getting hit in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think Boise State's offensive line's better than that, but Nevada's defensive lines had one really good game and two pretty bad games. I would say one worse than the other. I'd say Kansas State was much worse than Cal, um, but especially just getting a, getting a push. I don't think they've gotten much of a push in that sense. I think that I think Nevada will be better throughout the conference play. I think like it'll ease back a little bit. I think Kansas State's offensive line was really good. I thought Cal's offensive line was really good. I think in conference play, Nevada's offense, Nevada's defense line is going to fare better. Um, but it's just something to look out for because first thing I want, first topic I want to hit on: Boise State has struggled mightily to run the ball, like significantly. They're averaging two and a half yards a carry which is the fifth worst mark in the entire nation. It's the worst in the conference. 
Um, they've had a couple games over 100 rushing yards, including this most recent weekend against Utah State, but they only averaged three and a half yards per carry. Um, they had 42 carries for 148 yards in their second week against Texas El Paso. Um, they had 37 carries for 121 yards, which equates to 3.3 yards per carry. But in general, like they only had 61 rushing yards on 35 carries and 20 rushing yards on 26 carries against Central Florida and Oklahoma State. I mean, that just hasn't been good. And they've it's it's been kind of shocking because, I mean, George Halani has been one of the better backs in the entire conference um, for the least last couple of years. I mean, I think he was a preseason all Mountain West candidate for some publications. I don't know if it was the official favorites because, I mean, there's Charles Williams and then there's Ronnie Rivers, obviously, but um, he's been one of the best backs that they've had and when when he's been healthy. Um, they also have a good stable of backs behind him as well. So it's not – they have Andrew Van Buren who has four rushing touchdowns on the season, um, and then they have uh, Habibi Likio. I can't remember his first name, but he's also, like, one of the backs that they've been using a lot. He's been kind of their backup behind Halani. But it's been shocking, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And I think that plays right into Nevada's hands. Has it? Does it? I think so. I mean, just the lack of run game can really – I think that's been one of the biggest holes, if not the biggest at this point, is just how dominant a couple of these non-conference teams like Cal and Kansas State has, have been able to run the ball on us. And if we do put the game in Bachmeyer's hands – and that way and force him to make more tough throws and everything like that. Bachmeyer's had some games where it's been He's been good. He's been good. I'm I know coming Not into it the expectation of Bachmeyer. I, I felt bad for Bachmeyer because the expectation going into that position was already high to begin with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's lived up to those expectations yet, but a lot of it, you know, you've seen it unfold and you know, it's certainly been highs and lows with Bachmeyer under center. But at the same time, I just think the lack of run game can be something hopefully Nevada can expose. And I'm hoping Boise State can just not rely on the run once again and have a less dominant performance because these two, these like back-to-back games that you were talking about during non-conference play have just been meh, to say the least, even with the stable of running backs they have at the helm. I mean, it's weakness versus weakness. Something's got to give. Weakness in the run game for them versus a significant least initial weakness or it's a really it's an initial weakness for both teams but Nevada defending the run versus Boise State running the ball they're both weaknesses something's got to give yeah interested to see how that unfolds both sides of the ball there and it's kind of that same path for the other side of the ball Um, Boise State hasn't been super great against opposing run offenses while Nevada hasn't really been good against hasn't really been good running the ball. I mean, they've been better than Boise State, but I don't think they've been good in general. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, right now, it's been, at least through the first four games, it's been hard to be as bad as Boise State. Um, I think they're going to positively regress, though. I, I think, th- think they'll be better. I think that's like you were kind of talking about. I think it's going to be the case for both teams. Yeah. As both teams get into conference play, it's going to maybe not to exceedingly high points, but positive regression. Just it's not going to get completely exposed on both sides from Boise State and Nevada, I think, as soon as conference play comes. Because to Boise State's and Nevada's credit, you know, they've played some pretty good teams. They've played some some teams that certainly get out of their comfort zone and get on the road and everything like that. And, you know, you fared well against some and 
others it hasn't been the case. So I think as conference play really does roll along, you'll really see maybe more like middle of the pack. Is. Yeah, maybe more something along those lines. I think you brought up a great point there. I just think I'm worldwide. I mean, right now my initial preseason, like, please stop talking about how bad Nevada's running game is. It's been like a walking old takes exposed. Although it has been three games. All three of them have been non-conference games. The one game they were in was against an FCS team, so you really can't take that with a grain of salt, or you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, There's just not a big enough sample to determine how good these teams will be in such areas by the end of the season. I don't think that's – I don't – I mean, again, they both have struggled running the ball through the first few weeks. They both struggled defending the run in the first few weeks. Something's got to give Saturday. That's really what it comes down to. Um, I think it's Nevada has a much higher chance of winning if Boise State struggles continue in the run game, as you mentioned. Um, Bachmeyer putting putting Bachmeyer in less than manageable situations is probably key for Nevada's defense to get a pass rush, um, which they had against Idaho State. But that hasn't been the mo in the first few games. Nevada's it's actually been the opposite as. Again, we've talked about um, Nevada has been getting pushed around on the defensive line. Teams have been picking up. Cal and Kansas State have been picking up chunks and chunks and chunks of yards. Um, and Nevada hasn't found much of a way to stop. I mean, there, yeah, there's times where they'll get maybe a one- or two-yard game, but there's also more times where they'll get six, seven, eight-yard chunks. And Nevada can't afford to have that against Boise State on the road on the blue turf. I just don't think that's a, an, an idealistic Formula for success. Completely with you there. I mean, it just wears down the defense. Defense, defense, defense. Defense, 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 defense wins championships, man. It does. I mean, it. I think whichever one falters less can ultimately come out the loser, if that makes sense. Is it safe to say Saturday will be a battle between the quarterbacks? I really think it's going to be an air attack, and that could be quite exciting because we've seen Nevada go toe for toe offensively we've, against yeah, a lot of teams, and. It would it will bring some excitement to what was a pretty poor offensive performance two weeks ago. So just sparking life back into that offense could be real nice. It could be a key contributor. And the extra rest, I think, will be um, a contributing factor as well. But also at the same time, Boise State's more fresh. Um, so you could God, there's a, it's kind of it's like a two way street there, a double edged sword where it's like okay, Nevada has the extra rest, but Boise State's also more fresh. They've had a conference game already. I'm interested to see. Is there any other like interesting storylines that you want to take away from the game? I mean, just just the historical aspect of it. I mean, you think knowing... this is going to be another classic? I just had a voice crack know. there. I, I, I really hope because I I just think if this is the year to do it, just how well both teams stack up against one another. I I just if Nevada pulls out a win here on the road, just what it means going forward and what it means that if once that final whistle blows, can mean a lot. Can mean a lot for Jay Norvell. Can mean a lot for just Nevada football as a whole, something to build off of. And, you know, I, I think a lot of things need to play into play for both teams for that to happen. Duh. That's what a game plan is. But <laughs> yeah. Nevada specifically, what we know three weeks in, I think we know what needs to happen. And it's just a matter of executing in so many fashions. Nevada was, is going to have to take care of the ball. Boise State's forced 12 turnovers. Wow, that's impressive. 12 turnovers. They've, I think it's five interceptions and seven fumbles or something like that. Maybe I have it flipped backwards. But 12 turnovers, there's only one team in the entire nation that has more than them, and that's Oregon with 13. 
And they're what fourth in the nation. Um, third. Third, I believe. Yeah, third, third in the nation. And so, Nevada's Nevada. The only two turnovers in Nevada's had has just been a couple picks from Strong. Um, the one in the Kansas State game, I think it was Cole Turner. He threw the ball to him. Cole Turner slipped on the route. Uh, it was picked off. And then the one against Cal was the one where I think the dude like dropped the ball as he was like rolling out of bounds. I don't know if he completed the catch or completed control of the catch, which is like a big issue nowadays when determining what what is a catch and what's not a catch. Um, but looked like the guy didn't like fully secure the catch. They didn't review it. It is whatever. Like it's gonna go on a go on the books as an interception. So, um, but yeah, those are the only two turnovers Nevada's had this season. So they're gonna have to take care of the ball in order to win this game. Uh, Boise State has a pretty good defense. J.L. Skinner is a beast. I don't know if he, they had that uh, highlight that surfaced in that Oklahoma State game. Yes. I can't remember who he tackled, but it was like he just completely like decked a dude, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Andy Avalos was a defensive coach. He was their defensive coordinator for a couple years before he went to Oregon. Now he's back as the head coach. I expected them to be better on the defensive side of the ball than they have been, but um, I expect them throughout conference play to be a good defensive team. I mean, it was kind of weird how that Utah State game panned out. They only beat Utah State 27-3. The game was a lot closer than um, it, than the scoreboard indicated, I, I think, in my opinion, because, I mean, Utah State had 317 yards of offense in the first half. Um, they had a couple turnovers in the red zone, I think one in the end zone, and then they had one blocked field goal and one missed field goal. So Utah State, it was like they just couldn't do anything right once they got into the red zone or got in plus territory um, in that first half, which then eventually led to Boise State winning the game. So, I mean, it could have been a lot closer game if a couple of things have got, could have gone their way. Um, and so I that, take that. I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but it was like I don't think 27-3 is a good indicator of how Boise State played that game as well as Utah State. Yeah, I mean, it's box score watching at its finest, right? You see yeah. the final score and you think, oh, they, they, beat, they killed them. The they beat them. That's one of the things you have to look on because Nevada may not make those mistakes, especially on the special team side of things. They're pretty sound on that side of the, on that portion of the field and with strong under center. They haven't been good. They, I mean, they've been better in the red zone this year, but like the last couple of years, they haven't been great in the red zone. But that's mm-hmm. also, um, I don't think they've been in the red zone as much as other teams and like they get the. 30, 40, yeah, 50 yard touchdowns. You can't rely on that, but that's just what happens. It's, it's just been what's happening these past couple of years. And, you know, just being confident that those types of plays don't unfold in Nevada's favor. Not even in Nevada's favor, Not obviously, Nevada's but favor. just like in Nevada's sense, because, you know, maybe they take better care of the ball and put points on the board one way or another, make Boise State pay for getting into plus territory. They made their way down the field there, end up getting something out of it no matter what. Yeah, we'll get the. Uh... Devonte Lee Wildcat for three plays in a row. Maybe one of them will go in. Mix in with the goal turner fade. I, <laughs> yeah. Did you just t- hear that? Goal turner. Goal turner. Goal oh turner. my goodness. Hey, ring it up, boys. That you. Goal turner. Goal line fade. Goal turner. Goal line fade. Turner is that what you're calling him now? Oof, that just flowed. That was on the spot. That was great. I, you I didn't have that I one. I didn't have that memorized. It just flowed because it's. It's what you think about. Can you find one for Devontae Lee in the Wildcat? No. You can't? I'll think about it maybe. Let it stew, but, you know. It, Nevada runs the Wildcat on second, third, and fourth, and one too often for my liking. But, hey, I'm not the offensive coordinator. I'd probably be a substantially worse offensive coordinator. Matt Mummy knows 
football a thousand times better than I ever would. But I don't know. I just feel like that it's it's a little bit too predictable. I mean, it works sometimes. Other times it hasn't. <laughs> yeah, that could be the same for every play. But I know. What yeah, you mean. right. I know but what you like, mean. it's just like I feel like every single like second and one at like midfield, it's like, oh, let's let's get the wildcat in action. And I'm just like, I mean. They sometimes change the direction of the wildcat, and they sometimes change like who's blocking and where they're blocking, and et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't know. I think a little bit too predictable. Taking the ball out of Strong's hands, he's your best player. Um, but hey, again, not the play caller. That was just a r- random wild thought, especially when it comes to like goal to go situations. I don't know. But then again, of the the Isaiah's new goal goal Turner goal goal line fade Turner. That's also a play, but that's I think worked. I think I think I think Nevada's changed my whole viewpoint on goal line fades, at least for Nevada in Nevada's terms, because it's like oh, just throw it up to Cole Turner. He's usually going to come down with it, or it's going to be like a PI or something. Usually it's usually it's not an incomplete pass or picked off pass or whatever you see with most goal line fades. It actually. Like works, and so they're they're changing my perspective single handedly. I give him credit for that. I give Matt Mummy. I'll give Matt Mummy as much credit for that as I will for just now destroying his goal line or his wildcat uh, usage. Yeah, it's a mix of both worlds. But you know, you take the good with the bad. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent, Matt. No, if no. you're listening to the podcast, do more goal line fades instead of wildcats. Yeah, he'll he'll write that in the in the notepad. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll he'll be like, I'm not listening to this guy. This guy is dumb probably hasn't played a lick of tackle football in years and years and years. And all of that's true, Matt. So whatever you're thinking right now, it's true. It's very true. But, um, you know, as a whole, I just think this matchup's really interesting <laughs> because both have struggled in the kind of the same aspects. Both have their strengths in some form or fashion with the passing game. I think at this point, Boise State has the t- more talented defense, more sound unit. But... You know, at the same point, you can argue Nevada has the more explosive offense, and they've proven that. And they, have, they do. This is just a big game. This is wow. I mean, I don't know if fourth game of the year too. It's not even like the tenth or eleventh yeah. where it does, decides like a conference tournament berth. But it's, this is like a big game because it also helps because like they're kind of rivals, or there's been a rivalry rivalry that's developed in a sense. It's kind of hard to say there's a there's a rivalry when it's like oh. It's just been completely one-sided for the entire century, and we're now in 2021, and Nevada's won once since 1998. It's crazy. Maybe we can change. change maybe we that. can. Maybe we can rewrite the narrative because I think Nevada was it like six of seven, or like seven of eight when they when they like before that stretch started. It was like they won like seven of eight. They lost in '99, and then they went on again to lose. 15 of the next 16 after that but um it, it was something it was something like that like Nevada was on like a pretty good stretch I think uh I think John Dutton was on NSN and he was like yeah Boise State used to be like our little brother or say or, or, so he used something like that I'm paraphrasing here but um he said something he, he said something like that I think that was like it was either like five or six or six or seven or something like that like Nevada had a pretty good stretch in like the 90s um of course they had that game in 1990 when it, I think decided an FCS title berth or Division One AA title berth, something like that, um, and that went into like three overtimes. Nevada won like fifty six, fifty two, something like that. It was one of the classic games. The two thousand seven game um, was a classic when Kaepernick. That was the, I think, 
four overtimes, something like that. I remember my dad telling me he was listening to that on the radio on the way home, and he was just nuts because like it was like sixty nine, sixty seven, or something like that. Um, and then of course in twenty ten, so like there there have been some relatively I don't recent like really good games. I mean I don't want to say nineteen nineties recent because I wasn't alive then. Um, but like they've had some even like in recent years like twenty eighteen was a good game. Um, I think it was 2013 or 2014 was a really good game. Like they've had some really like recent like good battles, and so it's like kind of a rivalry, but like also not really. There's also there's always the Boise's not a state. Yeah, term. always make that argument. So, I mean, it's true. No, there, Boise's there, not a state. There is a rivalry, no doubt. But, oh, I thought you were gonna say it's true that Boise's not a state. Oh, it is true. Oh, okay, it yeah. is. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna throw that right out there. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant when you said by it's true. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's actually a fact, but it's okay. Sacramento State's not a state, but we don't chirp them. Maybe if they were in our conference. Yeah, maybe. Are you ready for previews? San Diego State's not a state. That's a good point. We don't say. San Diego City. Am I ready for what? You ready for previews? Previews. Or predictions. Predictions? Okay. Um, Isaiah, what is your prediction? 34-24, 34-24, Boise State. Okay. I hate saying Rationale? that. Rationale? Um, at home, historically fla- favored. V- favored match up evenly. Match up evenly. I, I, I just think at the end of the day, the defense is going to make more plays. I just think, you know, something. I don't know if it could be a turnover, some aspect. I know they've strung together plenty of those, but... Just, I just think they're going to be more sound, going to take care of the ball more like we've been talking about, and just playing in front of it, a, a really rowdy crowd, one that's going to be anticipating to see them and not seeing Nevada in a few years. I just think that all kind of plays into Nevada's part, and I, I want to say Nevada so bad just because of the rest. I think that bye week is crucial just to get our minds right, but I'm just going to go with the historically favorite. I'm going to take the spread. I'm going to swallow the points too while I'm at it, and I, I'm sorry, 34-24. Boise State. Yeah, I think I may have interrupted you there. Boise State is favored by six and a half points, at least as of right now. That line could change, probably not by much. Um, this is an important game. It's the fourth. It's the fourth game of the season. We talked about it last podcast. How every single game in college football is important to an extent. It might be more important for the best teams instead of teams like Nevada. Um at least it has been in recent memory. But this game for this team is important. Um, suffering two straight losses. I mean, Nevada will I obviously I think will bounce back if they that did happen, but it's not the best, not the most idealistic scenario. Um, this could be a big game to determine who potentially plays in the Mountain West Championship. Remember, these conference games matter. Um, they count towards your record. They count towards your conference record, and that's ultimately what it goes by in the end. Um, and so the winner of this, I mean, I don't know if a lot of teams are going to challenge Boise State. I mean, Wyoming's been, Wyoming's gotten off to a hot start. Utah State, who Boise State just played. I mean, I know we just talked about how Utah State faltered in multiple opportunities against Boise State, but they're 3-1. and one. Um, And so these are... We're getting to now, like, these are the important ones. These are the, these are the ones that you want not conference plays out of the way. You get to figure some stuff out there um, while also challenging yourself to different competition. But 
these are the games that really, really matter um, for Nevada. Uh, and so taking this one on the road, on the blue turf, for the first time since 1997 could be big. Um, my prediction is 28-27 Boise State. Um, I don't – I could easily flip that. I talked myself into Boise State, but I could t- easily, just as easily talk myself into Nevada. Um, again, they have the explosive offense. I think their defense will be better than it has been. I think there could be I, – I think I'm repeating myself from our last predictions, but I think there could be a couple big turnovers, a couple big plays that are happening in the game that could change the tide. Um, this might come down to so famously sp- – Spoken in the past, a last-second field goal. Like, this could maybe Boise State makes it this time. Um, <laughs> maybe they don't. The same thing can happen for Nevada, but I think this could be this could be a potential overtime game. It's I don't six and a half is too much for me. I, I, that's a big spread. I don't think that. I would take the points on that. I don't blame you there. Like you said, I think this is going to be an even matchup. I know mine's a little bit. I think it you're looks, factoring the crowd. I factor in the crowd, yeah, and it just home feel. But that's I just don't feel good about this game. That's explainable. Anymore. But no, I I love your prediction too. I think it's going to be a real. I hope it is a chirpy, really close game, and God, I the best one win. Hmm. I don't. I keys to victory. Nevada's going to have to one take care of the ball to have a semi decent running game. Um, to put them in more manageable situations. Um, they're going to have to get pressure on Bachmeyer. Uh, they're going to have to limit the penalties. I mean, that's really the key for every game for any team, but just limiting limiting the amount of mistakes that you make in a given game could really help out, obviously. Duh. Doesn't have really doesn't that doesn't really have to be said. Um, but I think I don't know, this yeah, this is going to be tough. That's, that's a tough prediction, man. Um, third game, third road game in in four games if Nevada can get 3 and 1 out of that. I think that again, I I think that's a win. I think that's a huge win, especially given Especially, into... like, yeah, get the bad taste out of Kansas State out of your mouth. I mean, this is a chance to really um, make your mark. Because um, maybe not a lot of bookmakers think in Nevada, oh, the blue turf, oh, the home home field advantage. I mean, transitive property dictates that Boise State wins this by, what, 10, 12 points? Because, I mean, Nevada lost to Kansas State. Oklahoma State beat Boise State, but... Oklahoma State beat Kansas State this last weekend. So I mean, but transit property is like if you're using that to determine your predictions, I that's not really how it works, but I'm just pointing that out there. Noted. Do you have any final thoughts? No. No, I just hope I'm hoping maybe we can change the tide, make history on our own end, and I guess we'll see. It's gonna be a good matchup. That's all I'm hoping for. I agree, I agree. Um that looks like that'll wrap it up for this week. Thank you for listening. Give us a rating, a five-star rating. Um, Isaiah is definitely going to be wearing orange on Saturday. Um, I'll get him a orange Douglas shirt. Uh, just kidding. He probably won't be. I mean, he. I hope he wears an orange shirt. Just. I, I actually hope he wears an orange shirt that says Douglas on it. That's my wish for him, but he probably will never do that. Um, thank you for listening. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, like and subscribe. See you guys next week.